welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solid board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 138. And these amazing sound effects brought to you by Albert. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> We watched Moana this weekend. It was so good. I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> Wait, you watched Moana? What did that have to do all with Moana? You're saying, <sighs> like in the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hello, Albert. Hey, Julius. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm just laughing at your absolutely ridiculous sound effects. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I practiced. Um. So, so is life more back to normal for you? Yes, it is. I have full day weeks. I have not got all the holidays to worry about. I have time again. Nice. Uh, much more relaxed. Nice. Yes. Yep. yep. Here, here it goes about the same. You know, busy as always, but not too bad. Things are more under control. And Halloween is coming up, which is really exciting. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have a Halloween party Sunday, so I'm looking forward to that. You're doing spooky games for it? Um, I don't know what I'm, you know, we have, um, One Night Ultimate Werewolf. That's probably all, that's always a good game. So we'll play that. Nice. And I played a Cosmos two-player game with my son the other day, uh, Dracula. And I think we decided it was a draw because we had messed up the rules a bit, so. <laughs> or he won. Nice. <laughs> but, nice. But I prefer the draw. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we start on our episode? Okay, so why don't you start talking about games played? Sure. Well, I've definitely got a bunch of games, and one of them I definitely want to talk about um, was Too Many Bones, which is a dice-building RPG, I believe they call it. Uh, the basic idea of Too Many Bones, brought by Chip Theory Games, is you are one of various adventuring. They're called Gearlocks is the race, but... It, some type of people but you are one of a band of adventurers and you have a neoprene cutout board a map excuse me a mat where you will select different dice to upgrade your adventurers so for instance it may be that one guy will get some grenade dice and another one will get some sword dice and another will get some extra hit points or some potions or things like that so everyone selects dice that are personalized to them and it's a whole pile of custom dice and you will go on this board in the center of the game which is a sort of mini i don't know i'm not quite sure what to call it point-to-point movement type thing um strategic board because it's not like in a card game where there's not really any movement type things but on the other hand it's not like gloomhaven or another dungeon quest where it's all about movement it's sort of an abstracted type of movement board but all of your characters will go on the abstracted movement board and move around and beat stuff up and fight your way through enough scenarios until you can beat up the boss and i specifically want to make mention of it because right now the kickstarter for the standalone expansion too many bones undertow is out which brings out you know, water-based levels and a flip side strategic mat, the the mat for the middle of the board, which has a different layout and new characters and new bad guys and all sorts of new things. And it's cheaper because it's only up to two players, whereas the original was up to four players. So it came with more stuff, but for a solo player who's just looking to try out the whole system, Undertow would probably be a much better starting point. So I wanted to very briefly go into Too Many Bones and talk about how I'm enjoying the game, which I'm giving it a thumbs up. I really like it. I don't. How, Albert, have you ever seen any of those plasticky type cards that Chip Theory Games does right now? Uh, their cards? No. Oh, like the, I've seen their chips and stuff. I've got a couple chip theory games. Well, I believe that you did get Triplock yes. also, did you not? Yes. So it has the waterproof PVC cards that they're starting to use for all their games. Oh, those are waterproof? So, yes, those are waterproof. I need to test that. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> Okay. Um, but yeah, they are. My personal opinion is I don't prefer them to the other ones, but a lot of other people do prefer them to other ones. And our, our local group at least is split on whether or not those are better or worse. And I could definitely hear other people would, you know, have split opinions on that. But the game itself is real solid. Um, it's a it's a longer game, especially uh, at the very least the Too Many Bones that I have, which all have longer scenarios. It's a longer game. It takes a while to get into it, but it's pretty thinky, pretty crunchy, and I really like all the custom dice. I'm a, I, I really like custom dice. They're always fun. And the fact that each character plays so differently than all the other ones 
just it's a very fun, very strategic type game as you're playing through it. And I think that if you're looking to get into it for a little bit less expensive, Undertow would be a good thing to look out for. Mm, nice. Okay. And how much does that go? I know the original was really expensive. It was like over 100 I think. Uh, if you're looking for just the Undertow box, it's $68. And then they have a bundle with extra adventure maps or extra characters. And if you pay 190 you can get the whole thing. But if you're just looking for the basic starter box, which is where I recommend for people to, if they're looking to get interest in the system, it's only $68 to get in on that. Okay. And even for the original one, when I went in on that, I went in on that on the basic level and didn't get all the extra bundle stuff. And I'm perfectly fine not having all of that, um, really because it's pretty expensive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you said 190 to get everything. That's, that's a lot of money. You know, you talk about expensive ones. The Seventh Continent just finished up, and people are being like, "You can get all the con- all, all the stuff in Seventh Continent's like three hundred and fifty bucks." I'm like, mm. <laughs> "Yeah, some don't have that ask. much disposable income, but not yet." Anyway, so that's uh, too many bones. Undertow, but Chip Thirty Games that I can I don't have a whole lot to say about Undertow. I only have to talk about the currently released Too Many Bones stuff, which I'm really having fun with it and would highly recommend. Neat. And what else have you been playing? I know I'm looking at the notes, and I know you've been playing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely, yeah, I have quite a lot of things in here. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is another one that's been announced or semi-released, which is Arkham Horror: The Card Game Labyrinth of Lunacy. Now, I believe Albert, you're quite familiar with Arkham Horror: The Card Game, right? Yep. Yep. So currently, they're working through the Carcosa campaign, um, which is the second campaign season mm-hmm. i'm just gonna call a season uh the second campaign season which is all about carcosa and going off and exploring the the king the the king in yellow play things like that but in the middle of this they released the labyrinth of lunacy out at gen con which was designed to be what they're calling an epic scenario which is you play with three groups and those three groups are all playing simultaneously and interact to a certain degree the actual labyrinth of labacy is lab excuse me, Labyrinth of Lunacy is being released as its own scenario expansion. And it can be played as a mini campaign of three games where you play each one of those three groups. So first you play one group, then you play as the second group, then you play as the third group, which is kind of fun because that means you get to play with a lot of different decks all in one campaign. So that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it works pretty well solo. I've only played it multiplayer because I don't own a copy of it, but I have borrowed a couple copies uh, from people who have gone to Gen Con so that we can do some of these multiplayer stuff. And it's a pretty fun scenario. So if you're looking for a bit more stuff for Arkham Horror in the middle of going through your uh, Carcosa campaign, this is a fun little campaign to be on the lookout for and go ahead and pick up. It's not currently available. It's only out on pre-order. It's supposed to be out sometime in fourth quarter of 2017, so I expect the next couple months it's going to be getting here. Um, and we'll see whether or not you can escape Isidalon. Mm, okay, very cool. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of skipping the, the Carcosa campaign. I'm not a fan of that part of the Lovecraft lore. Really? Why not? I don't know. I've never... I've I've read The King and Yellow. I've listened to the book a couple times, and it's okay. And it's I don't know. I just don't enjoy it as much. It's a little different. And you know, predates Lovecraft really. By by a few. I'm years. not a fan of any of the lore. Is I my know. personal opinion. I tried to read. I I think we talked about this. That yes. I tried to read The King in Yellow and really hated the book. Yes. But the campaign's really good so far. <laughs> yeah, and you know that that's my experience of the Keenan Yellow the book. I I personally did not enjoy it, and so I kind of just don't even want to bother go with the campaign, even if it's a great campaign. I just you know I'm just not okay. gonna go. Have you been playing Nemo's War again? Yeah, I've been continuing playing Nemo's War a bunch because when we reviewed it, I still was beating my head against trying to figure out the strategy for this. Um, and I've continued to play a bunch of games that I'm still beating my head at the strategy of this. Because the game gives this really interesting scoring method that you play through the whole game and then you score. And then even though you won, or at least Feel even like though you, you survived, even though you survived, your score may be defeat or inconsequential. And you're like, hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> That's stuff. And I still haven't done it. Now, that have you... One interesting thing about Nemo's War is the scoring is different, and really your whole strategy should be different based on which of Nemo's motives you should get. And if you're doing the more exploration type, theoretically you should be attacking less. 
right? Mm-hmm, but you do still have to attack because the board's going to fill up. Right. Yep. And I'm not sure. I, I realized this after I played through a game. And Nemo's War is not a short game. I think we talked about that also. So I realized after we played through the holidays a couple times that, um, you know, maybe I sh- I still haven't played Anti-Imperialist. That's the one motive that I haven't actually played. And maybe I should try that and just go all out on the war and just try and destroy everything I can and ignore everything else and see if that will get me a score that is better than inconsequential. Because when I continue playing these other ones, I continue getting inconsequential. And I'm like, you game, you, you, you game, <laughs> you game. It's messing with you. So I remember seeing a um, strategy guide on BGG. And I could give a little bit of what's, well, it's not exactly spoiler, but it's giving away some strategy based on what somebody there was saying. And it, from what I remember, they were doing well. Have you implemented them? I did not implement it, but it, it seemed like very sound strategies. Um, and, and and I'll say it here, so I'm, you know, I'm delaying a lot in case you don't want to hear this. Um, not you, Judy, it's too bad. The the strategy is basically don't, don't attack um, merchant ships. Ignore them. And, and don't spend time attacking ships until you, you know what they are. You know, basically... Let let the well, board yeah, fill I up. Know that one. Right. It was yeah. let, let the board fill up. Those are the two main things. Um, that was it. It's not much a huge of a spoiler, but there you go. And they said that that was a good strategy. Um, well, I mean, interestingly, merchant ships because when you're on the explore ones, warships give you less points than a merchant ship does. Oh, uh, so yeah. So there you got to change. Now you got to alter it. And you do need to at one point in time kill off some of the merchant ships. Because otherwise, those merchant ships start flipping, mm-hmm. and then they become warships. And it's usually a lot easier to defeat a merchant ship instead of a warship. Absolutely, yeah. So take them out when they're easy. So, I don't um, know. what else are you are you using uh, sacrificing your your heroes, or are you trying to save yeah? Because that that makes a little bit of that's going to add another ten or fifteen points, won't it? If you save them to the yeah, end. but I need to kill them. Well. Then maybe you need to be take more chances. That's uh, another puzzle. So you know, um, like I said, I haven't played as tons, but I remember when I play games like um, also from Victory Point Games, um, Disaster at Kanchenjunga and Disaster at Everest. Getting mm-hmm. a, a a really good victory is well nigh impossible. It is so hard. Like you, you could play and you could do really well and you get a mediocre win. And maybe that's just how they scale their, their difficulty. That is a possibility. I, I mean, I'm fine with it. I'm still mm-hmm. really enjoying the game. I'm continuing to play with it. But I just find it funny that, like, I'm finishing every game going, you game. <laughs> yeah, next time. That that might just be adding longevity to the game, right? If it's harder to, to, to get there and it's still a motivation to get there. But, it could be. Yeah. But I do wonder, is, is it by design? Is that are you Are you winning as expected or are you under average? I don't know. I don't know, but I don't see, you know, I don't really see very many other games that do things like that. I don't see any other games. In fact, I was just recently playing Spirit Island, um, or excuse me, I was just recently, I was recently playing Spirit Island also, but I was recently playing Freedom the Underground Railroad, which we reviewed a while back, and it has a scoring mechanism in it, and at the end of the game, you're supposed to count up your score, and I was playing a multiplayer, and I have never counted my score. And we get through it, and I count up my score. Or rather, one of the other players counts up the score and said, we got a 32. Julius, is a 32 good or not? Because the rules don't say. I'm like, I don't know. I've never counted my score. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm with. Man, we won. <laughs> We're good. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. I don't know anyone else that requires you to count up your score, and then based on your counted score, you may still lose. You know, I, that, that, I, I dislike that in games where, where they give you a score, but they don't rate it. And this basically is just a beat your high score kind of thing. I, I dislike when they only at least give you like a, some guidelines. Um, yeah, just simply want to talk about Nemo's work because it's been on my mind. I've got a couple plays in it over the holidays when I had a bit more time for those big, large games. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's, that's about the only time. And then I also have on its way to me my copy of Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Oh, neat. Okay. Haven't got it open yet. Hasn't even gotten here, but I've seen the tracking number. It's on its way. It's coming, and I'm super excited for that. And I'm super excited for Charterstone. Is that coming out soon? Charterstone. Well, Charterstone got delayed 
It got delayed some. <laughs> okay. Uh, it got delayed till I think it's com- going to be coming out before the end of the year at this point in time. It is what it is, but a bunch of people have the initial reviewer, the review embargo for it has been lifted and it looks really good. I'm, I'm really anticipating it. I'm very excited to see what's going to come out with it and get a chance to play through it. Very nice. It's unfortunate because unlike with Arkham, where I can play it solo without any issue, my wife is also interested in Charterstone. <laughs> so that becomes a problem that I can't play it solo all the way through. I'm going to have to play it through with my wife before I can play it solo. Uh, so it might be a while. <laughs> it might be a while till we hear more about that. Right. Same with Mechs versus Minions, which I would have loved to play through. Like we got at one point in time, we had this slowdown where we couldn't play it for like a couple months. I'm like, I just want to play it solo. And she's like, no. You're waiting for me. <laughs> you poor mm, guy. Yes, wife. <laughs> I love her dearly. I love her dearly. But. These are some of the sacrifices we have to make for yes, happy marriage. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> at some point, maybe we should talk about, maybe not today, but we should talk about the games we're waiting for. Because there's a few I've got that, uh, you know, might be here before the end of the year. Sentinels of oh, the yeah? Multiverse, yeah. I'm waiting for that. Oh, yeah. I'm also looking forward to that, that Ant's End. That should be soon. Or not Ant's End. Um, Ultimayon, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever it's called. It's got that weird name. Um, what else? Carodia? Carosia? I back, oh, I've uh, actually got a pre-release yes, copy have, of that. I, the real one should be out soon. It's now on the boats from China. So, okay. So yeah, I'd definitely like to hear what else been changed between the between the pre-release mm-hmm. and the final release. Um, at least the minis. Nothing else. I get minis in it. Uh, what else? Uh, there's another game somewhere here. Uh, Untold Adventures Await, um, which is a Rory Story Cube game, RPG, that I'm looking forward to. That's solo playable. And some Heroes Wanted stuff. So I don't know when that's coming. That says December of this year. But the, the Oh, yeah? You're still liking the Heroes Wanted? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I really enjoy it. I, I love the randomness and, and the, the huge variety of different heroes you could have. And just the goofiness. So absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, when we talk about B-17 later, you'll see it's it's similar in some ways. <laughs> but not at all. Well, before we get to that, I think we have some other news also. Yep. Um, I actually have one more piece of one piece of news before we go into the other ones, which is actually a correction for last episode we did. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned the Automa for patchwork um, because I was talking like, you know, I, I, I had said previously that, you know, you'll never get an Automa for patchwork. And by the way, this one time I was saying you'll never get an Automa for the Jack games, for instance. um, Mm-hmm. Phantom of the Opera is one that you'll never get an Atama for. But anyway, Ever. I had said previously that you'll never get an Atama for Patchwork. And Morton kindly uh, pointed out to me that the Atama for Patchwork was not being done by Morton. It was being done by Lions Hutter. And I want to make sure that gets mentioned as a correction. Um, okay. So want to make sure that's on the record. Yep. Anyway, on with the rest of the news. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, the, the One Player Guild's top 100 games is going on now is the time to go and submit your top 100 and send that email to, to kevin and, and let's see what the general consensus is for the 100 best solitaire games are you going to be sending in a list yep yep i'm looking forward to that i'm ready to make one i haven't i haven't started i know some people plan all year and for me i just whip it together and send out an email <laughs> that sounds more like your style yeah. albert yeah yeah and you um, I never have, I don't know, I don't like, I, I hate having to rate, rank them. Like, for example, you get up there, you're like, do I want to do Mage Knight? Do I want to do Arkham Horror? Like, which one should be number one? And you have to actually rank them and make these decisions between ones that they're all really good. Like, I can, I could definitely come up with probably more than 20 that would fit in a top 20. Yeah. But to rank them, oh, you know, just, it probably oh. doesn't matter that much. If you put them as one or two, it's not going to change overall a whole much. Albert, what are you talking about? I mean, I mean, if you pick a game and put it number one and another in game number two, and then swap it, you're probably gonna see no, no change in the overall top hundred statistics. Yeah, but I've got to pick it. And so does everybody else got to pick it. Unless you're saying there's a lot of people who actually can be able to, make these sort of decisions but 
if everybody just you know picks at random then it's not at random what are we actually what are we actually getting here it's not at random i'm just saying just be fuzzy about it you know just touchy feely so i think lately i really like this one so i'm gonna pick this one so you're saying I should just stand at the top of a of a stairwell, th- write them all on a list, and throw them on the stairs in whatever order it lands is how I'm voting? <laughs> is, is this what you're advocating, Albert? If that's what works for you. Not, not exactly. I'm saying you're having trouble with number one and number two, right? I have this all across the top 20. Okay. Like, I get my list. I'm like, well, which one's better than the other? I don't know. They're both really good. I really like both of them. Okay, but but it should be pretty easy to say. Okay, for number one spot, I could pick from these three. So let me just pick one of these three. Then you have to just pick one. Y- I mean, yeah, what do you mean you're just, just picking one? one. Just what, pick the one. flip a coin? If that's how you, you flip a coin, I wouldn't because you you, you said there's three, and then you get, you need a three sided coin. So that might be tricky. So go to random.org. <laughs> sure, there you go, Albert. This doesn't sound like a very good method. <laughs> I think it it works. It, you know, it works for me. <laughs> I will be picking my top 21 year I picked top 30 and I sent the whole thing to Kevin knowing that he was going to ignore the, the last 10 like, you know that's okay, that's okay but I still wanted to pick him out and just see what why, they were why are you making work harder for Kevin I did he just ignored him he probably didn't even uh. you know, he, he may have read him for his humor but I bet you that's about all he did but yeah so, so that is going on now I mean if you are going to participate it is a time to go submit your list and when is the deadline for that it's soon what is soon do you know what soon means julius the deadline for submissions november 30th 2017 oh okay oh so you got a whole month yeah plenty of time to pick them quickly hurry hurry do it right now pull over stop i'm not trying i'll do it the same way i pack the night before yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right and what else and there's one deck dungeon news i don't know what this is uh the one deck dungeon app um, oh, okay. is going to be coming out now one deck dungeon was yeah. an app it was a game that i think quite a number of people in the one player guild have really liked mm-hmm. um it's a pretty solo friendly game got about the same um the same weight as like a friday or something like that and it's coming out in an app-based version um and it's currently already been released to steam it's supposed to be coming out to android at one point in time, um, but it's already coming out to, or excuse me, um, it's already coming out for a Kickstarter for coming out to Steam. And we already know it's coming, and it's supposed to be coming out for Android also at one point in time. But we don't really have a lot of information. But the One Deck Dungeon is, is going to be coming out in app-based form at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's about all we I mean, have. I play that game. It's fun. I like it. Uh, the app... That will make it nice and simple to play. There are some things I find just a little confusing, and I, I've always forgot when I'm rolling the dice that I had to reserve some, like those shields and all yeah. that. And so I always, I always kind of mess up the dice a little bit when I played. So yeah, I think the game help. was pretty good. I, I still dislike the fact that it's, you know, an all-girl cast, and while that <laughs> doesn't bother me, this is the sort of game that, it would, that I would have fun playing with my kids. And for my kids, that sort of stuff really does matter. I imagine there's a lot of people that that does matter to. And we've talked about this before. Yeah, my son but, would not want to play it. My daughter would love playing it. <laughs> right. But other than that other than that nitpick, it's a pretty good game. Yeah. So, there you go. Well, very cool. Okay. And do we know when it's going to come out? We just know it's coming out imminently. We know it's coming out soon. Okay. That's all I've got. Okay. Cool. I don't have Add a little TM to that if you like. All right. <laughs> I don't have much at all in the way of news, but I did notice in Kickstarter there's a bunch of games out now, so I'm not going to tell you what they are. Go explore. Yep. And I mean, we actually have a geek list going on the guild um that you can check and see. Remains pretty up to date. I get a lot of uh good hits, good places to go look for about interesting Kickstarters from that geek list. So, thank you to everyone who's involved with that geek list for organizing it. And then a special thank you to Andy Woods for actually organizing that list and mostly taking charge of it because I, I definitely continue to check on it because I do like looking at Kickstarter stuff. <laughs> Just a little. Yeah, they're fun to look at. Dangerously fun. All right, and so that's the news. Yep, and one last thing we want to mention. Um, we haven't thanked them in a while. Thank you so much to all of our Patreon backers over on Patreon. We do apologize. We appear to, uh, well... Uh, maybe a little forgotten might be the word. We're sorry. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> um, we still love you. With, 
you know, for us, when we have to do an upload, there's not a single upload where we upload to both Patreon and over to um, the the normal feed place where everyone can listen to all of our feeds, even if you're not located on Patreon. So because of that, um, especially just with all the holidays and the fact that I'm the only one with access to the Patreon account. So it just hasn't happened and we apologize and we haven't really been reaching out to anybody over there. Um, we're sorry. You know, hopefully we'll be able to get more stuff going on over at Patreon. Um, and let us know. We'd love to have another least, uh, live listener talk. Um, we really enjoyed the last one where we recorded an episode live. It mm-hmm. was pretty much fun. And we'd love to do one of those again. So thank you to everyone who's backing us on Patreon. And hopefully we'll be able to get some actual episodes uploaded over there soon. Yep, that's right. Yeah, that, <laughs> which has been so busy, just totally forgot. Though, you know, I, I do see the uh, there is still occasionally some chat on our Discord channel. It's, it's not a super busy channel, but but which is nice and quiet, but it but we get chat there, which is fun. Which is not necessarily exactly related to Patreon, but, you know, whatever. Come visit that, too. Well, I think they kind of are, yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel kinda. like for an official podcast and, like, podcast-only related stuff or more podcast-heavily focused stuff, it's really the Discord channel where it's the best place to do it. And you can check on our website or various other places for a link to the Discord channel. But I'm a, I'm a lot more active personally there. One main reason is, is because I can access Discord really easily on my phone and I can't access to send messages on BGG on my phone because it's just not well implemented for mobile friendly mm-hmm. is the honest truth. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah. just where it is. Yep, I mean, that's, that's how it goes. That makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. All right, should we go on to our game, B-17 Flying Fortress Leader by from Danvers and Games? Let's do it, and maybe I'll be able to regale us with some more of your excellent sound effects. <laughs> this is a, the game is B seventeen Flying Fortress Leader. It was designed by Dean Brown and published by Danversen Games. Now Danversen did send me a review copy which I requested and they're very gracious to send that to me. Um, I actually received the game like back in March or April, but it's just taken me this long to, to be able to, to play it, to talk about it. Um, and we'll get more into that. Um, so this game, it's a, it's a large scale strategic game about bombing raids against Germany during World War II. Um, if you're familiar with B-17 Queen of the Skies, it's reminiscent of that game. It, it kind of has a feel like that one, where you're you're going on these missions and you're just rolling lots and lots of dice. But there's a lot more complexity here than that game. Uh, but I think it, it's a it's a very similar feel, which is neat because I really enjoyed that other game, uh, B17 Queen of the Skies. Um, this game is part of the Danversen's uh, leader series. They've published a bunch, and actually Kevin Erskine, who we mentioned a few minutes ago was on the show last year, and he talked about one of those games that he liked a lot. I don't remember which one it was offhand, unfortunately. Um, I suppose I could go back and check. But the the games are all solo games in which you're you're controlling... I, well, I can't comment on all of them, but I, I think you're controlling fleets or individual planes or tanks or whatever it is, and going on missions. And, and all those games are kind of similar, and they have a lot of choice in what equipment you use and how you prepare for the mission and all that. Um, so what's next in a rubric? The, the rules. I, I kind of talked about the summary already, didn't I? The, this game has a big rule book. I think it's probably around... Well, how six. are you supposed to win? How do you win? Um, you get points in the game. And then there's, a, depending on which mission you pick, there's a little table. And how, depending on how many points you get, you either succeed or not. Um, so it's all about just points. It's all about go, getting points. And you get points by going on missions and destroying targets. And different targets are at different points. And each scenario is a little bit different, so there may be some variation. For example, the scenario, the scenario I played today, um, when you attack some of the targets, you get double points for them. So, you, and, so you're inclined to attack them. And, and if you attack all three of a type, you get extra points. So, you know, so it changes things around a little bit. Um, so as I was saying, the rules. Okay, so so it's a big rule book. It's not a hard game to play, but there's a lot of little steps and things to it. Um, 
there's nothing in it terribly complex. It's, like I said, just a lot of little steps to, to remember. Um, I found it pretty easy to read. There's lots of images. The, the text is not very, very dense or crowded. There were a few errors that I caught in there. Nothing was terrible, but like there's one place where it says in brackets, insert image here. <laughs> and they, in, in the final version of the rules yeah whoops they forgot to put the image and they, they left that one you know in just one spot <laughs> there, there's a one board image that looks different from the board i have in my copy on my my physical board um do, do they have an errata of that out or a version two i do not know i haven't noticed any i haven't looked for it either though okay i assume none of it makes it harder for you to actually understand the game um you know N- not a whole lot. Like the the mistaken image, just kind of. Ch- I wasn't sure how I should Threw place the cards on the board. You know, in the end, it doesn't matter. I just put them how I felt would work for me and kept going, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> it's it's not changing the gameplay. Just where I'm placing some cards, a couple decks. Um, but it did slow me down in learning the game. So you know, honestly, I did have struggle trying to figure out what I was supposed to do. Looking at my board, the board doesn't make sense what I'm reading. Then I realized it doesn't match in the image. And then once I got through that, I was able to go on. Um, I One thing I do wish that the rules had, I wish I had like a, a list of all the components that were separate from the, the rest of the rules. Um, in that here, as as you're reading the rules, it introduces a, a concept. It'll then show you those components. Like when, when you get to the, the Luftwaffe commanders, It'll then show you the Luftwaffe commander card and all the different parts of the card and whatnot. So you kind of have to go through the rulebook to find that part. Not a huge deal, but you know, I do kind of wish there was a section where it was all summarized. Um. So what else? So I mean, so that's the rules. Um. Not bad. Not not awesome. The what do you think about the graphic design just in general for the? Rules? I liked. It. I think that you know, in general, all the Danversen games I've seen. I have enjoyed how they have laid out the rules, and I have found the flow of it very pleasant and easy to follow. Um, I do think occasionally I've come across issues where, where I've gotten stuck, but gotten past it. But generally, I like them. Um, I mean, does it? I mean, I'm looking at a copy of the rules that I have online, and it just looks like you know, there's uh, two columns of text, and it's all black on white, and it's a very consistent style to it that you're just running through the two columns mm-hmm. and every time it references something, there's an image of it just on the left inside that column. Um, and yes. I'd say it's just sort of a consistent typewriter type style. It, it, it is. Okay. And, and if you go look at, at uh, older war games, like say Avalon Hill, right, which, which a lot of, I imagine Denver's and a lot of these folks learned those kind of games first. And, and even the, uh, the GMT war games, You'll see they're very similar. There's a lot of very dense text broken up with images. These, I think, have more images than, say, the older rules. So, so they're definitely uh-huh. much easier to follow. So coming from that as, from that point of view and from that experience, I, this rule book is really easy to read and really light. Okay. Not as dense as one of those. <laughs> I mean, they really are. They, they would be like reading a dictionary. <laughs> okay. Um, I just don't think it's going to win any awards for beauty or anything like that. No, probably not. I don't know. I mean, with the war gamers, think, maybe. But I think it could be that, you know, if it were trying to be fancy or something like, you know, say a Spirit Island or something like that, that might make it harder to actually understand all the rules. Yeah, especially when you consider just how much there is to it, right? It's already like 50 pages. So so if you made it a lot more fancy with graphics and all that, you know, you could easily double it to 100. Right. <laughs> that, that would That's, not win the This is true. <laughs> this is true. Um... So yeah, so the the theme, um, it's World War Two. You're you're going on bombing raids. I feel the theme is well implemented when I'm playing it. You know, it kind of does feel like you're you're not a a pilot or, or somebody in the plane. You're more managing the missions. So you're more like the the leader back at the base, planning, preparing the missions. Though you do go through the the process of flying out and returning, and, and rolling for damage and all that. But really, you're playing it as a I don't know what it would be called a wing command leader i don't know i'm just making the text <laughs> up there um but you know it, it is neat because cause you do all that planning and all that and then you play through the mission and see how it goes uh it covers it's uh it's set in the western theater of world war Two, right so that's europe 
um, all the attacks are coming from the UK into into the European mainland, France or Germany, and I suppose I, I think it might even include hexes in Spain. Um, the game spans from 1942 to I think 1945, and it depends on which missions you pick, which scenario you're playing. Um, there'll be different time periods, and depending which time period you 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 get to pick from different planes. So if a plane wasn't built until 1944. You can't use it if you're in 1942 in your game, for example. Um, so I think the, the theme is very well implemented and very detailed. You know, a lot of a lot of attention to detail in there. All the different cards for your planes will will mention the the nickname that the plane had, and you'll recognize things like the Memphis Bell and others, which which offhand I can't think of. So so you know they use real plane names and real squadron numbers and all this. Um, <clears throat> so so very well done theme. Um, in terms of the components, oh boy, this has a lot of components. It's a big, heavy box. Um, probably not quite <laughs> okay. as big as Feast for Odin, but you know, it's probably catching up to it if it isn't thick. I'd say it's four inches thick. Um, more or less the same shape. The, but you know, you get a mounted board, you, you get a bunch of counters, which they're rounded counters, which is, you know, it's coming more normal, becoming more normal, but it's unusual for a war game, I think. Um, so they're very good quality. Tons of cards. The um, th- there's there's tons of cards for the airplanes. You could choose which airplanes you have. And, and like I already mentioned there's different time periods when they become available. And so for each airplane, there's three cards because you could level up your airplane. Um, so there's different versions of the same plane. There's there's cards for all the different targets you're attacking. You know, there, there's a deck of airfields. A, deck of airplane factories, a deck of oil targets and transportation targets and U-boats and so on. Um, and then there's a few other cards for events and things like that that you draw during the turn. Tons of cards. My only complaint about the cards here is that they all have a very similar back and it's a little annoying when you're sorting through trying to find, say, the airfields. I kind of wish the backs were a little different in color or something so they'd just be easier to spot them right away. You know, they they use a consistent. Would a good organization solution solve that problem? Yeah, we'll get to that. Just a couple bullet points down my list here. <laughs> oh, 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 well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the game has a few player aids that are included. Um, I didn't use them too much. I didn't find them super handy. They're, but there, well, there's the main player aid for the game, but there's also a lot of variants included in the game, and some of the player aids are for that. Most of them are actually. Um, here's my, my next bullet point. Uh, insert? What insert? This game did bring one. It's a it's a cardboard, and it was basically to hold the cards flat at the bottom of the box. Um, it's not very functional, though, honestly. And, and once you unwrap the cards, you know, they're just sort of going to flow f- loose in there a little bit. So I ended up throwing out my insert and cutting a divider so I could put my cards standing up along one edge of the box. And that has made it a little bit easier to organize. But but I, honestly, I wish the box were a little bit bigger, so they had a little more space for that. Um, you've got a ton of counters, and you need to organize them. I couldn't fit a counter tray in there because there's so many cards and other things. There isn't enough space for a counter tray. Or really, I would have needed two or three counter trays, honestly. Um, so yeah, so the insert got thrown away. All the counters got sorted and organized, which is a bit of a challenge, again, because there's so many counters, and they're used in different ways a lot of times, so you kind of have to... I found that I had to play through the game once, really, before I actually knew how to store it and how to sort the counters. So, like, before I played it, I went ahead and punched everything, and I made little baggies and labeled them and how it seemed to make sense to me, and I was way wrong. So I had to go and cross <laughs> off all the text in those baggies and rewrite what's in them. And, you oh, know, that works better, yeah. In hindsight, when you get this game, don't punch it. Really, you don't use most of the counters in a given game. Punch them as you're using them. Uh, you know, if you're a war gamer, I know you're going to want to punch them and clip the corners. Remember, you don't have to. They're already rounded corners. So just leave them, leave them on, their, on their board there. Leave them on the screw thing, whatever. As you need them, pop them out. When you're done, you'll have a good sense of how to organize it. Trust me. And then go ahead and have fun punching the rest. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's there's a lot to the game. Um, the storage is a bit of an issue. Figuring out's a bit of an issue, but... It's all in there, and this is good. There's also 11 scenario cards, which I didn't mention. When you play the game, you're going to pick one of the scenarios to play through. 
and you know you'll put the rest away and it gives you information how to set it up any rules that are different for that scenario and so on and so forth all right uh moving along the gameplay um i really like this game a lot i've had a lot of fun playing it let me say that but but before that the the setup is the first part of the game while learning it i'm finding it takes me an hour to set up the game I'm pretty sure you could get down to about 20 minutes to set it up. Maybe a little bit less than that even. Um, it's just, you know, you kind of got to spread out all the different counters. You got to put some things on the board. You need to be rolling for that after you've picked your scenario. Excuse me. After you've picked your scenario, you now got to find all the cards that go with it and all that. And figure out the year and figure out which planes you can use and all that. And pick your planes. So all that takes a little bit of a while. You could probably break it up and, you know, one night just go ahead and prepare for the scenario and then play the next day. It, it is a long game, so so you may need to do that if, if you can't just leave it set up somewhere, um, which is a big issue for me, honestly. Um, once you play it, like I said, it's a lot of fun. What I really love and the reason I was complaining to uh, Heroes Wanted is because there's so much variability. You know, each time you play, you're going to have different cards and they're all going to, you know affect the game some um because you have different targets it's going to be different places on the board you're going to set up your your enemy planes are going to be attacking from different areas of the board you could pick which airplanes you use for your fleet and that's you know that could change the game a bit also because you could you could choose to buy many cheap planes or a few expensive planes that sort of thing um you could choose to buy only bombers you might also have fighters and whatnot tons of variability um, which is what I really like about games when they have tons of ways to play and tons of variability. I mean that that's a sure win for me. Um, you know, and again, choosing you, you choose the fleet and all that. And, and let me kind of run over the the gameplay a little bit just so you have a sense of it because I've just been talking about all the bits, but not how they go together. Um, okay. You, you're gonna you're gonna set up your board. The center is a small map with hexes, and you're basically gonna be starting your missions in the UK, flying out to targets somewhere in Europe, and then flying back. So the game is played in in terms of months. Each month is then divided into weeks. During each week, you're going to do one or two missions. Um, so in the week, you're going to get some points to purchase more planes, purchase bombs if you want to buy some extra strong bombs, that sort of thing. You're going to choose which target you go to. You're going to decide which planes go to each of the two targets. If you're doing both targets, you may choose to just do one target, maybe have other planes, maybe you choose to only send some, whatever. And you even plot your path. Once you've done all that, you will then fly your mission out. You're going to flip some cards that's going to maybe alter it. You're going to if um, you're going to have enemy fighters attacking you. In that case, you're going to be rolling dice for the combat. And you eventually get to your mission. You can do, do a bunch more die rolling, drop your bombs, hopefully do a lot of damage, and then finally fly back again and again getting attacked. Um, all this combat is really just a lot of dice rolling, it, and it's fun, but but it, it really is just dice rolling. Um, so you can do two of those missions. You're going to get experience points for for doing well, destroying bombers, and and um, destroying or even damaging the the targets. Um, you're going to do four weeks in the month. Once you've done the four weeks, you now close up the month. There's going to be some other housekeeping things that you do that affect the um, overall campaign. There's a, a couple mini sections on the board that represent the Mediterranean front and the Eastern front. And it's very, very abstracted. But, you know, if there's a lot of fighting going on in other fronts, for example, that may cause the Germans to, to have to pull away planes, which would make it easier for you. And that's so, so, so there's a little bit of a meta game going on in there. But you're going to basically keep doing the same thing, repeating over and over, hiring new crew, or not hiring, but buying new crew with your points, uh, replacing any die, repairing them every month if you can, and so forth, until you've reached the end of the campaign, which is determined by the scenario. And at that point, you'd figure out your victory points and yay, you won, or boo, you did it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that That is the game play um i mentioned you get victory points you're going to spend those to upgrade your planes when an airplane reaches a certain number of victory points it it then levels up and there's six levels to go through from starting from a i think a green recruit all the way up to a, a veteran 
um, different planes have different amount of points to level them. Even within the same time of play, you may have two different planes, both at the skilled level, and one may take five points to go up to veteran, the other one may take seven. It just depends on that plane. Um, and, you know, and there's also different modifiers and stuff for each plane. But you get to level them up as you go along, so you really don't want them to, to die and whatnot. Um, so so that's a lot of the gameplay. The game has a lot of bookkeeping in terms of just not man- only managing your counters, but there's also a player sheet in which you're going to write down the planes you have and what missions they go on and how much they damage they take and so on and so forth. Uh, I find that to be a lot of fun. I really enjoy the uh, the bookkeeping part. So so hopefully that gives you a decent idea of the of the gameplay. Um, it, it is pretty detailed. Oh gosh, how long does the game last? I think the overall game is a few hours, like a couple hours or three hours even. The an individual week going on one, uh, say going on two missions could be fifteen twenty minutes. I'm not really sure, but that seems like a reasonable guess there. Um, and you have to do them all, like, is there a good save between them, or how does that work? Well, yeah, you could, I mean, if you need to stop playing, you could You could finish, I would probably want to finish a whole week, and then go take a break, or if I could, you know, maybe go to the end of the month, and then take take a break, and put it away for the night, if I need to do something like that. If you step away in the middle of a game, it might be a little bit tricky to remember where you were in the, in the middle of a mission, you know, if... If you're in the middle of a firefight, for example, you you would easily lose your track of it, I think. So that could be tricky. As a matter of fact, okay. I found learning the game was extremely hard for me personally because I would sit down. I remember one morning, it was bright and early, I sat down to play, everybody's still asleep, you know, and I'm going through the rule, reading the rules and the setup and putting my things on the board, and then the dogs would start barking. I've got to go deal with the dogs. I come back, I couldn't remember where I was, I go back two or three pages trying to find my place again and then keep going. Um, then a cat would want something. Uh, deal with that. Lose my place. Go back a page. Keep going. Then another cat comes along and walks on my board and messes up the counter. <laughs> I eventually I got so frustrated. I just gave up. And I put the game away and I took it. The next chance I had, I took it to my friendly local game store and I played it solo there and I set it up there without interruption. Um, and I, I had to do that. There's no way to do it otherwise in my house because it's just too much distraction. Once I learned it, even with that distraction, I could play the game at home, and that's fine. But I really needed that, that quiet time to, to learn it. So I found it a little bit challenging to learn. Understandable. <laughs> yeah. So so the solo game, right? So, I mean, that's one of the sections on a rubric here, which is kind of strange because this is a solo game only. But there, what's neat about this is there's a lot of different ways to play. Not only have I mentioned all that variability in the cards and the you, the planes you pick and the targets you go against and all that. But there's 11 campaigns in the box. The They cover different time periods. They So they're going to affect which kind of planes you get to use and that sort of thing and what kind of targets you go against. They they alter the rules a little bit here and there depending on the mission. Um, for example, I mentioned one that's going to give you double points for certain types of targets. Others may allow for secondary targets or not. Some introduce some special weapons and things like that. So so tons of variability. 11 campaigns, that's going to give you a lot of playthrough. And you really could play a single campaign many times, trying out different things. Um, and I think they will all feel different. There is also a single bomber variant in the box, which in, you play the campaign like normal, but now you're really controlling a single bomber, and your goal is to have it survive through the entire campaign um, instead of controlling a fleet of bombers. Now, I didn't play this. I didn't read it fully. I think you may take other bombers along with you too. Well, that's not what it looked like. Uh, but but you really are just focusing on that single bomber. Yeah, I think you actually just do have the single one. Um, looking at that play sheet, that play rate, it reminded me a lot of B-17 there because your position in the in the squadron depending where you're at the front, in the middle, in the back, and, and all that. Um, and there's a lot of shooting at the planes coming in at you individually from different positions on your plane. And again, that reminds me a lot of the B-17 Queen of the Skies board. Um, but what else is there? So so that variant is still doing the campaigns. There's a Down in Flames variant, which is interesting. There's a... Danvers makes another game called Down in Flames. And actually, it was also originally published by GMT, I think. Um, if you have that game, you could use it 
it, it's a it's a card game in which you're you're doing basically I think dog fights between planes. You could use the Down in Flames game to resolve the battles between your bombers and fighters against the Germans that are attacking you. Um, and you would use that as a part of this game. You're still playing it all solo, but you're not using that two player game to manage part of this game. And which which again I think that will give you a ton of, of options and variability and, and fun. Then there's a mini game in which you just play through 25 missions. You don't even use the board for this. It's all super abstracted. This reminds me a whole lot more of B-17 Queen of the Skies. You play through the 25 missions and you hope to survive in the end. And here you've you've named your crew and everything. Um, so you're, you're dealing with individuals at this point. And and even besides, besides all these different ways to play that I've already mentioned, there is a small variant, uh, or a lot of other little small variants that do things like maybe add a... Veteran Luftwaffe fighters or special technologies and stuff like that. Um, weather, and so these are all optional rules you're adding in. So, so tons of different ways to play, which is which is awesome. So, one thing I want to add into our final thoughts is just I want to hear from you. What was the, the worst thing for you in the game, and what was the best thing for you in the game? What was the most standout for both of those? Just before you get to your final thoughts. Mm-hmm. The the worst thing I, th- I think I just mentioned really is how hard it was to learn it and and how getting interrupted was really challenging during that learning process. It just took a long time. Um, well, actually, I'm going to add a second one and how long the game it is because it, it is a long game. I think a full game is going to take three hours to play, maybe. And there's long scenarios and short scenarios, but I'm going to find it really hard to find the time to play this game. Just personally, just because the, it is so involved. It, if I tell my wife, hey, honey, I'm going to spend the next few hours playing a game. Um, you go do some chores. Have fun. <laughs> you know, and it ends up taking me four hours, which I could see this game taking me four hours. She's not going to be too happy about Even that. Even though it does have a stopping point. <laughs> yeah, I can't. If I stop, I got, I'm going to be putting it away because I cannot stop the game and leave it alone. If I come back, the uh-huh. cats will have scattered the counters on the floor. Then the dogs will have come along and eaten the counters. <laughs> and uh-huh. and the game is now permanently stopped. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So uh, for me personally, I don't have that freedom. I know other people do. You know, you have a game room you can leave it in. That's great. I have a game room, but I can't leave it in here unfortunately because the, the cats come in here a lot to get fed. One one older cat specifically. And and she makes it hard to do that, so Understood. Yep. So yeah, for me personally, the worst things is either the, the duration or or the inability to to leave the game i guess yeah actually both were the same things the inability to just leave the game alone um the best thing about this game i want to say that the variability but i don't think that's really my, my favorite favorite thing about the game what i really like the most is the the managing the missions and the bookkeeping and, and you know plotting figuring out which planes i want to use and figure out how i'm going to fly my mission and which bombs I'm going to take on this mission and all that. I really enjoyed that whole planning process, which I think is a huge part of this game. Now, the, the interesting thing here is that I I once owned another leader game. I think it was uh, Phantom Leader, maybe. I'm not really sure which one. And it, it was a little different, and it was more abstracted in some of the parts, but it was still the same thing where you're choosing your planes, you're choosing your missions, flying to and flying back. And I hated that game. I could not stand it, and and the reason was actually was the theme. I, I did not find the theme interesting. It was a, I want to say it was like the Korean War or Vietnam or something like that. I just I just didn't find that subject interesting. This one in World War Two, I find really interesting, and and that just has made such a huge difference. Where I actually enjoy the game. Well, which is today when people say you know should I get this game or that game, a lot of times I'll say really which one seems more interesting in terms of theme. That's go with that. Which is not a bad rule to follow. Yeah. Yeah, if if you generally don't think you like the theme so much, I I just I suggest avoid the game because you're probably not going to enjoy it that much. Because again, that was my experience. That Phantom Leader, I've heard people say that it's a great game. It didn't work for me, and it was strictly thematic issue. Um. So anyway, uh, <laughs> what what else do I want to say? The I think I've gone into a lot of each. I think I've covered everything. I really enjoyed the game. I I, I enjoyed playing a lot. I, I do want to try it more, though it's going to be hard for me to do. It is currently out of stock, but it's expected to be available again in November, so just around the corner. And what's the cost on it? A lot. A lot? You want to take a guess? 
What do no. you think it's going to cost? Oh, well, <laughs> too much in my opinion. Too much. Eighty nine ninety nine. Yeah, too much in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, there's no huge draw for me for this game. I, I, I will admit, I like my games pretty, and this one doesn't really do, <laughs> you know. Yeah, sitting out on the table, I sitting on the table, I'm not gonna go walk by and go like, oh wow, look at that game, that looks good, and I'll admit, I'll admit that's me. No, I think I'd walk by the table and walk by and say, man, there's a lot of stuff on that table. <laughs> yeah, you know, aesthetics, you know, I would be holding all that. There's also interesting. I know this is a uh, you could buy minis for the game. Little, I guess, little pewter minis oh, nice. or something. Sixty dollars for that. Looks like it brings about fifteen or twenty miniatures. Probably about twenty or more. I'm not sure exactly. What would you replace even with that? Um, You've got a lot more tokens than that. So yeah. So specifically, the tokens for the the planes on the board. When you choose your your planes that you're flying in your fleet, you're gonna find a, the counters for each of your bombers and each of your fighters. But then it doesn't have any of the stat information on it, or does it? It probably doesn't. Mm. The other, I mean, that that's probably where you would put it. You'd ha- then have to reference the cards or something like that, or the counters anyway. I don't know. You know, I, I don't actually see pictures of the counter. It's a box, and it's just a listing. Um, so I honestly okay. don't have any real detail. But, you know, okay. if you paint them up, they'll probably look really nice on the board, flight on the map and whatnot. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. That's B-17 Flying Fortress Leader. All righty. Well, thank you for presenting that to us, Albert. I'm again going to come out of uh, my anti-war game hole and uh, let that one go by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it is available, by the way, on Miniature Market right now for uh, $58 instead. Uh, okay. Yeah, so the price I mentioned is the retail price, according to the publisher. That would It's not surprising that it would be cheaper online. All right. Uh, anything else, Julius? I think I am completely done here. Well, I think I came out of my anti-war game. Oh, yeah, there. you did come up. Yeah, you know, I mean, if, if you're not a war gamer, if the subject doesn't interest you, you're not going to care for this, right? I, I think that's pretty much what you said. Yep, <laughs> and, and that's just how it is. But but if it yeah. does sound interesting, yeah, th- th- this is definitely a good game covering that subject. I mean, for me, as soon as as soon as you say that it's, uh, you know, 50 pages of rules that look like <laughs> they could be done on in Microsoft Word pretty simply, I don't know. For me, that just, you know, I like yeah. But it wasn't sent to me, and there's probably a reason why it wasn't sent to me. <laughs> yeah, you, you would probably give a different review. Here, here's the one I had. I think it was Hornet Leader. Maybe that's the one I had before. It was either Hornet Leader or Phantom Leader. Either way, I, I honestly, I just hated the game. And it's a shame, because why? No, it just wasn't for me. It's not a shame. Well, anyway, folks, Um, so, so that's a show. I think I've said everything we're going to say about B-17, or Julius and I have said everything we say about B-17. Oh, I've said all that I have to say about it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I could talk more, but I'll just be more of the same. So, Albert, you're not going to do history on us, are you? No, you know, I do have a book on B-17 bombers, so I could probably give you a lot of detail about the... <laughs> so, you know, they actually used to use Michelin tires for the first few years, but then they had to switch when France got... No. <laughs> all right, everybody. Good night. <laughs> good night. I'm officially asleep. Happy Bye. Halloween. Albert put me asleep with history. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening. All right, and thanks for listening. Now what do you thanks for listening? <laughs> no, I, just, I don't know. It just feels like I should say that at the end no matter what. You should what. say something like it's the end now because that all went before and now we're at the I end know. of the show. And yeah, now I, you should just stop. I, I did. I just stopped. Albert, you're weird. <laughs> it takes one to know one. Whoosh. <laughs>